Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Willie P and Jessica Charman, as we get you ready for the final five games of the Charlotte FC regular season. Three on the road, two at home, and it begins on Saturday when Charlotte FC takes on New England Revolution. 7.30 kick time, 7 o'clock pregame. You can join us on the Charlotte FC radio network. And Jess, looking back at Charlotte's last fixture, they took on FC Cincinnati, top team in the Supporters' Shield standings. And uh, we definitely saw their quality. Uh, I know that it's hard to kind of decipher based on the way the game played out, but what did you notice the most from Charlotte's perspective? And is this kind of one that you can just write off as being, hey, you played a good team, and uh, unfortunately that's the class of the league right now? It's frustrating because obviously FC Cincinnati are a good side, particularly when they're playing at TQL Stadium. There's a reason why they'd only lost their one time before we played them. You know, it's a fortress. They've faced a lot of adversity in FC Cincinnati over their first few years, and now they're getting the success from the hard work they put in. That being said, two things can be the same, right? FC Cincinnati, factual, very, very good. Charlotte FC in that match, though, can also have underplayed, and I think we didn't do ourselves just service in performing the way that we know we can. When you get an opportunity to play against the best, you have to raise your level. And I don't think Charlotte FC raised their level in the way that maybe we've seen them do against successful teams in the past. And we can talk about stats. We can look at the stat sheet. And the biggest thing that stands out to me is the fact that there's zero shots on target for an entire match. No matter how good of a team you're playing against, that's not okay to not create a single shot on target during a full duration of 90 minutes of play. My my whole thing is that Charlotte FC reverted to uh, some form that we had seen intermittently pre-Leagues Cup where a lot of their attack had been based on the wings and crossing in and hitting hope, and there was very little done through the midfield. And I always thought that that was kind of my biggest concern when it came to putting Carol Svidersky and Enzo Capetti on the field uh, themselves together, because Svidersky wants to obviously drift up closer to goal. And that leaves a lot of open space in the midfield. That's either controlled by Westwood or Bronico. And, you know, one's got to stay back because of the threatening nature of Cincinnati. That leaves really only one other linking player. And it means that a lot of your attack is going to go around the midfield. And there really isn't a lot through the, uh, the middle part of the pitch. And, and that, to me is very much concerning because if you don't have a diversified attack, you're not going to beat many teams in this league, especially once they figure out how uh, to defend you and especially trying to attack Cincinnati on two wings where they were very, very superb defensively. They got two guys who are all world and some of the best in the league at doing it, especially defensively. To me, I felt like that was always kind of a, I don't want to say beating your head against the wall scenario for Charlotte FC, but uh, to me, it just seemed like they, they had no answer once they got the ball in the last third and uh, got the ball in the opposition half. One dimensional and too predictable, right? And that's the issue there. You 
can have great wing play if you want, but I mean, the service wasn't good enough from the wing areas when you were focusing on it. It was more driving balls in and around the box without anybody there, not picking yourself up for purposeful passes, speed of transition, not quite good enough either. But you said it best when you said the word diversify the attack. You have to have more strings to your boat. You have to be able to attack in numerous different facets. And I don't think Charlotte FC did that. And then you look at, you know, you talk about the role of the midfield. Well, Scott Arfield, a player that's been proved to be deadly in front of net, that's proved to be very good at whether he's coming off the bench or taking a start, didn't even see the pitch. And that one was one that I think a lot of the fan base had some big question marks over. I've seen it all over Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it these days. But a lot of fans asking where Scott Arfield and even Rangers fans too saying, you know, he could be sitting on the bench for Rangers, but he's moved all the way across the world and he's not even getting minutes at the moment. So, you know, uh, there's a lot of fans out there hoping that Scott Arfield can get a, a point to prove what he can do soon. A lot of people seem to think that Christian Latanzio has kind of left a lot of the spots open for interpretation going forward. There was some comment about, you know, uh, whether or not uh, Enzo or Carroll belonged on the field together. And then he basically opened it up to the whole entire squad that, hey, you know, there's there's a lot that's going on right now that I'm evaluating. And I think this stretch represents not just something from a sense of urgency from Charlotte FC, but I also feel like it's really imperative to figure out what works moving forward. Not to say that you uh, you go into rebuilding mode. Uh, I think this result still is very important for the squad to try to attain, but I almost feel like you uh, almost have to throw caution to the wind and, and maybe have a more of a sense of urgency from the sub standpoint because this one is supremely important. I would argue that if you don't get this one, uh, that makes the challenge going forward that much even steeper. And I don't want to say it indemnifies or, or cheapens the next four, but I feel like there's there's no stretch run without a victory on Saturday, which again is against a team that's like Cincinnati, very good in their home building. It's the biggest part about it, it's the momentum, right? If you get another loss, then you've got two losses on the trot, two disappointing performances, and you've missed an opportunity to gain six points in the playoff race. If you spin that result and you get a win, then you're setting yourself up in a really good mindset for the last four games of the season. We've seen that we're still in the cusp of the playoffs. It's still well within the reach, but it only starts if you're able to bring momentum to the table and bring belief to the table and get in performances. Every player on that pitch needs to be fighting for their lives, fighting for their team's lives. You know, this is so important to be, you know, performing to the best of your ability at this stage of the season. Uh, we talked to Andrew Privet earlier in the week. Uh, the media uh, player this week was him and, uh, uh, his mistake on Saturday that Christian Latanzo characterized as, as uncharacteristic, notwithstanding, I feel like, you know, his story throughout this season has been one that's been very interesting to follow. Somebody who, you know, started out mostly playing for Crown Legacy and then uh, moving up to the first team in quick succession because of some center back injuries put in basically near the League's Cup break as a necessity ad. And then uh, he has become somebody who has really earned the trust of Christian Latanzio as a man who could fill in the midfield and, and play a hybrid role defensively. I'm wondering, as we move forward, if this is going to be the characterization of, uh, of Christian Latanzio's defense and, and Privet is 100% a center back moving forward, or maybe this means a larger role for him next year in a different position. Uh, I'm wondering how you'd look at the way that this back line has evolved over the course of, uh, of this long season. I think, firstly, that Andrew Privet and the guys that have stepped up from Crown Legacy, Patrick Argeman, Brendan Cambridge, those have been the bright sparks of the season, right? Those have been the things that make you 
really happy to be a Charlotte FC fan, even when you're facing a lot of adversity. Obviously, Crown Legacy 2 finishing top of the Eastern Conference and making their way through a bye into the semi-finals of, of the conference tournament. Like, it's amazing what that team has done. So that's kind of what keeps you sane when you're struggling through adversity. But Privet has really suited the way that Latanzio has developed this centre-back role with stepping in, with filling the gap, with adding that ball-playing centre-back in. It's displaced, displaced some fan favourites. When you look at Guzman Corujo not being able to get into the lineup in any capacity, Bill Tuiloma, of course, was a player that probably thought he was going to get consistent minutes at Charlotte and just haven't. And that's a testimony to how good Privet's done. But if uh, I think what is, you know, and you have to talk like this, is this is a very big part of Latanzio's strategy, right? And the future, we don't know what it holds at the moment. So I think it's about making the most of your time on the pitch right now and making sure you can show that you're completely undroppable, no matter who's at the helm of this club, because you just never know what happens going forwards. Doesn't look like uh, Ben Bender is going to feature not only this week, but uh, anytime soon. Latanzio talked about his knee injury is needing some more monitoring and uh, trying to figure out exactly what that looks like from his perspective. He says it could be two weeks, maybe more. And that obviously puts Charlotte FC close to the end of the season, if not all the way to the end of the regular season with a potential return in playoffs possible. And uh, we'd certainly wish the best for Ben uh, while he's on the men, but you know, we saw what Charlotte FC did in his stead last weekend. Uh, do you feel like Merrim is somebody who you have to keep in there on the wing, or do you feel like a change is necessary? Maybe Camille Juzviak finds his way back into the into the top uh, line as well. Kerwin Vargas. It feels like that we've been trying to answer the question: Who are the team's best wingers? Uh, basically, every part of this season, and unfortunately, the uh, the answer keeps changing. Jess. Yeah, still not sure if we know the answer because. We see bright sparks out of all of our wingers, but not consistently. And that consistency is what's been really hard to find for the team overall. And the issue is when Cohen Vargas came on, I thought he was exciting. He was willing to take shots. He was getting creative. He was linking up more. But we've also seen Cohen Vargas be ineffective in matches from the start. So we've got to give him the benefit of the doubt. Still a young player, but... You know, until you find that consistency, no player is undroppable for Justin Merrim. I think he's had some really great moments as well. We know he got the goal a couple of games back and he has been a, a good creative player. But we also know that he has moments where he goes silent in matches. react's a designated player. And I don't know about you, Will, but it's one of those where you feel like this is a great opportunity for him to show that he's worth that role as a designated player because there is always going to be more pressure on designated players' shoulders, and it would be good to see him rise to that challenge if he got some more minutes. Yeah, I want to see him play. Uh, I think you have to let him play at this point. Um, I know Diahare has played well also. Uh the mistake against uh, Philadelphia notwithstanding. I feel like, you know, there have been good spots for him as well. But I also, again, wonder, you know, he was brought in here with putting the number 10 on his back uh, to potentially be that kind of creative player, you know, is putting him on the wing the best service for him? Do you move him back more centrally? Uh, and I think it comes back to something that we've battled throughout the entirety of the season. It's how do you get your best 10 or best 11 players, I should say, best 10 outfield players on the pitch all at the same time? It's uh, it's kind of difficult right now to think about. It is, and it's difficult because a lot of them, unfortunately, want to fill the same spots with their number one choice of position. Versatility is so important for a successful player, right? You want a player that's able to fill many a different role in your team, but 
unfortunately it feels like sometimes we're not getting the best out of all of our pieces that on paper should be the most successful players because maybe they're not 100% comfortable in the role that you're playing you talk about Diahare and you know again before he got that injury and had to sit you and I were just wow we were taken aback by him and unfortunately mm -hmm. he hasn't quite made your jaw drop in the same way since returning uh from injury he's made <laughs> talking of jaw dropping it's been not for the right reasons that our jaws no. have maybe dropped very much so. Um, what do you make of New England's form? Uh, I know the record is one thing, but you know the off the field stuff with you know Arena being dismissed and them rejecting the first interim with Richie Williams, and now Clint Pa is in there. He's coached only two games and and not a win, but either of them. And you know they played well to be resilient against Chicago last week, but uh, this is a situation where maybe they get complacent a little bit. They've already clinched a playoff berth. Uh, there is a congested nature of their part of the table, so they could be playing for even as high as second place still. Uh, I think I think everybody right now in the East is fighting for second with the way Cincinnati's playing. But uh, what do you make of New England from a motivational standpoint, not just them, but uh, also how they potentially look against Charlotte in this contest on Saturday? Yeah, with all the off-the-field drama, you have to think from the outside in, at least looks like a decent time to play them, right? Because there is so many different distracting talking points. It hasn't been the focus completely of the on-the-field action. But like you say, Will, they're good when they play in their home building in particular. But I don't think it's a side that at all is completely unbeatable. I like the concept that you have in terms of bringing up the fact that they've already clinched playoffs. When you're a side that's already clinched playoffs, maybe you take your foot off the gas a little bit, particularly against a side like Charlotte, who a lot of people overlook. How many times have we seen it this season where people rest other players for their bigger match of the season or they, you know, line up because they think that they can take take care of business without them? So I think it's a good matchup for Charlotte FC. I also think the mindset of the crown right now is probably so motivated because... The players aren't silly. Latanto is not silly. They know that they underperformed against FC Cincinnati. They know that they didn't create enough opportunities. And yes, you can stand back and at face value say, okay, but Cincinnati have defeated a lot of teams throughout the season. You know, they've they've taken care of business so many times. They've made a lot of teams look a little bit silly defensively. But I think the guys are going to be motivated to try and wipe that one off the memories and try and, you know, it's very clear what they have to do right now. The task is clear at hand that they have to win the match and sometimes when you know what's at stake it allows you to kind of throw the kitchen sink at it and I think you said it earlier Will that's what Charlotte needs to do a little bit more like there, there needs to be a sense of urgency in terms of going for wins and they play Wednesday at home against Columbus so you mentioned teams potentially resting uh, players in advance of games that are uh, with a bit of different rest Philadelphia did that uh, against us and uh, brought on their big players after having conceded against us and then uh, still were able to get a draw out of the effect I'm, I'm wondering uh, whether or not New England will do the same thing with Columbus awaiting uh, them on Wednesday and then they still have three matches after that as well their uh, match that took place uh, was supposed to take place at the beginning of the return to play from the League's Cup was postponed much like Charlotte's was uh, because of the glut of matches at the end of the League's Cup break. But uh, very much so looking forward to this one on Saturday. Charlotte FC and New England were on the air beginning at 7 tomorrow, and hopefully it's the start of something great for Charlotte FC. Uh, they had a great end of the season last year with getting games and results to go their fashion. It has to start tomorrow, Jess, and uh, have a safe ride, and hopefully we're talking about three points here next week. Let's get that momentum started, Willie P. Big push to come. And we will talk to you all on the Charlotte FC Radio Network beginning Saturday at 7.